0: This is Live Well Talk on Mammogram, Myths, and Facts. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and returning to the podcast today is Therese Mickles, Manager of St. Luke's Breast and Bone, to help us dispel some common urban legends or myths that surround mammograms and breast cancer screening. Therese, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. We believe it's number four podcast. I,
1: I'm not keeping track. Yeah. But maybe. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> Well, to, people have trepidation. They're scared about uh, getting screenings for various cancers. Mm-hmm. And we know that breast cancer is an important cancer and very, what, number one, I think, in women. Or, it's number
1: one in women. Yep. And then
0: like number two overall, I believe, maybe, Correct. as far yeah, as cancer. Like so, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, near the top. Right. Um, so start with, what is a mammogram? Who should get one? And, and why is it important?
1: And mammogram, is it's screening for a tool for mostly women, but it can affect men too. Um, for women, it's between 35 and 40. You have your baseline, 40 and above every year is what's recommended for screening. And that is because they find those things early. If you do screening yearly, if you have a genetic history, like First degree relative has had breast cancer, then usually you start earlier. And depending on your provider, is when they'll tell you what, what year you should start as far as age goes.
0: The mammogram, it's, it's screening. So, you know, a screening test should have false positives because you don't want to miss cancers, right? Right. You know, so right. you, how often does that happen? Someone gets a mammogram, it leads to further testing, but thankfully it's normal.
1: Uh, it's not very, I think it's under 15, 10% okay. that those false positives are, Yeah, but some of those lesions are high risk once, I mean, they may be oh, really? benign, but they could be high risk. So that could be something that leads further into, you know, doing a surgical consult and doing a surgery to get that piece out.
0: Well, let's get, let's get to some of the urban myths or medical myths that uh, exist, uh, is, is getting a mammogram dangerous from a radiation standpoint?
1: That is probably one of the most common myths out there. Um, You'll hear it more and more from people that come in. Uh, Radiation, as far as the mammogram goes, it's very low, low dose. Um, Probably one of the lower dose compared to any x-ray that you get. Also, it's lower than most of the time what you get for your daily intake with radiation. There's also a lot of um, things into play with that. We are very, very highly regulated. And by regulation, I mean the physicist comes in and does a yearly test on the machine. We have to be within regulation of the amount of radiation that comes out of that machine. There's also filters within that machine that keeps the slower radiation going out of the machine and exits the body faster. So there's a lot that's in place with that. So it's very, very low risk compared to when you do a screening to find a small cancer.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's myth number one dispelled. Yep. I, I, I I imagine if we knew just how much radiation we get exposed to just on a daily basis, uh, we probably would be... Uh, not uh, afraid of a mammogram or anything else along those lines. Myth number two, I should just get a breast ultrasound instead of
1: a mammogram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that kind of ties back to that radiation question. A lot of people think, well, I can just get an ultrasound. Why don't I just start with that? Mammogram is basically the first gold standard you want to start with because what that image does, it shows the overall picture of the breast, and the as far as what it can show, it does show things that the ultrasound cannot. Now, what ultrasound does when after mammogram, say there's an area the radiologist wants to look at, um, they may recommend ultrasound with that. The ultrasound's good at direct imaging on an area. Um, one way that was explained to me by a radiologist is. If you go into a room and it's dark and you turn on the lights, you can see everything. If you go in the room with the flashlight and don't turn on the lights, you can only see where that flashlight's directed. Very similar to ultrasound, it's more of a directed in the area. So it's always very good to start with that mammogram because there are some things that the ultrasound cannot pick up.
0: I want to follow up with that, a question that I never seem to be able to remember, but what, what when does a, a woman get have an MRI ordered for breast screening?
1: MRI is usually somebody that has high risk okay. um, factors. So there's a lot to play into that. You know, dense breast tissue is okay. also one. So, for instance, if you have dense breast tissue that is founded on a mammogram. Plus, you have first-degree relatives that have had breast cancer, and depending on their age, um, they may go to the breast MRI for that. Uh, For the breast density, if you have just the breast density, we have what's called ABUS, which is Automated Breast Ultrasound. So they can also resort to doing that screening too to penetrate the dense breast tissue.
0: And once you have an MRI, do you ever get to go back to mammograms, or you that you're kind of locked into MRIs for screening there on? Uh,
1: it depends on your history. Most of the time, you go back to a mammogram. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah.
0: Myth number three: Breast cancer doesn't run in my family, so I don't need a mammogram.
1: Yeah, I hear this a lot from patients. I've had an 80-some-year-old come in um, for her first mammogram, and one of those things is what was said. Uh, Your first degree um, at risk is your female. Um, So that is your first degree at risk. I'd say about 75% of the cancers we do find in the breast are Patients that don't have family history. So is it a factor? Yes. Is Should it be the only factor you go by? No, because um, it's, again, 75% of those are people that do not have a family history. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Myth number four, compression of the breast tissue is bad for you.
1: Yeah, I. Yep, that's another one we see. Uh, The compression, it's, of course, not the most comfortable thing on earth. Uh, Most of our women and patients do fine with it. There's, you know, some are very sensitive, it just depends on how thick your tissue is. Now, as far as compression goes, um, it is not bad for you. it what it does is it's actually a benefit so when we compress that tissue out and i I tell my patients this and i know it's not a great comparison but um think of the fat on a chicken breast i mean it's really thick hard to get through if you had a small cancer in that you wouldn't be able to see it without compression what the compression does is it just smooths out that tissue makes it more flatter and makes us be able to penetrate and see little things more and on top of that, it's we are also we use less radiation. That, that's
0: so it allows you to use right, less radiation.
1: Right. So by doing the compressed breast, you don't have to use as much to penetrate that tissue.
0: All right. Myth number five. If I have to come back for more images after my screening mammogram, that means the technologist didn't get the right images the first time.
1: Yes. <laughs> that's a lot of our technologists hear that when they come back and I would say, geez, about 98% of those are totally not true. Um, There's sometimes the images are blurry or there's motion because it's so close to the heart and lungs when you take that picture. It's hard to just totally get a picture that's not without movement and motion in it. But I'd say about 98% of those are findings. So the radiologist looks at your images, compares to the old ones. They see something that's changed. And whether that change is small, big, it's a change. And basically the same thing goes with when you get a lab, you know, if the labs are off, then they do further investigation. So when they see a change in that tissue, you'll get called back for further imaging of that area just to make sure it's a normal change. Some changes can present as, you know, a possible growing cancer. So the majority of those times, the people that get called back, it ends up being just that they had a different change in their tissue.
0: And, and, you know, it's a screening test. That's why you you want to find something and follow up on it and hopefully be negative.
1: Yes, yes.
0: In your experience, so the Journal of American Medical Association last month or earlier this month uh, had an article come out that from 2010 to 2019, they followed uh, patients and uh, statistics that cancers are showing up in younger people. Mm -hmm. So it kind of confirmed what We've been kind of feeling anecdotally, right? right? You know, whether colonoscopies and and uh, the, the podcast and the coverage we've done on colon cancer showing up in younger people in the screening, you know, so it did kind of confirm that. Um, and surmise that uh, sedentary lifestyle, obesity, and other factors uh, may be contributing to that. It didn't provide a lot of answers there, more questions, right. but. But it certainly confirmed, I think, what we've been observing. Have you observed that? Do you Absolutely, think? It, okay,
1: for sure. I, I have this discussion a lot with our group because you know I attend tumor board too. And what tumor board is is where the surgeons, um, oncologists, radiation, um, you know, all the physicians that are included in your cancer care go to these monthly, and they discuss different cases. And one thing that has been brought up is the amount of younger women, even I'd say between 30 and 40, um, that are coming up with different breast cancers. And, you know, normally I've, you know, with one surgeon that discussed that, she, you know, she said that, you know, basically in her, when she did fellowship, you know, during her training that she would never see, um, patients in thirties with breast cancer now it's becoming a common thing they don't have an answer for that unfortunately i think you learn as years go by and you go back 10 years much like covid you know we're going to learn from it 10 years from now but you know should have would have could have with a lot of that but You know, with um, the cancers growing, I mean, it's not just breast cancer. Like you said, it's colon cancer. We're seeing lung cancer. Um, There's no explanation right now. uh, If I
0: remember, breast had the most increase. Yeah. Yeah. But, right, it was across the board. Right. This was not just a single. And that's why they attributed perhaps to environmental. Right. You know, our forever chemicals and all those things that we could get into. Correct. what's of interest also is anecdotally i think i've had my surgical colleagues comment that it just feels like the cancers are more advanced when they show up yeah. you know and which makes sense it's early onset it's aggressive which tends to be true that earlier the onset mm-hmm. the more aggressive the malignancy um but but i but i also think that there's going to be a tsunami of cancers when we get caught up with the suspension of healthcare during COVID. Right. Um, knowing what I know now, and I'm speaking for everyone, I don't think, I don't, we should have kept seeing patients right. as far as screening, maybe curtailed uh, certain uh, uh, activities that can, can serve uh, supplies, mm-hmm. right? We don't wouldn't want to use up all our supplies and then get caught, but I, I don't think we'll do that again. Right. Um, because uh, it's, we're, it, you know, time will tell over it. How that's going to impact uh, our society's health.
1: So. Correct. Yeah.
0: Well, the, the the first step in getting a mammogram is getting one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, how can someone go about getting a mammogram?
1: Uh, we do have a website that you can go to on Unity Point Health. Um, our phone number is 319 369 7216. That's where you can go and schedule that. Uh, for the Unity Point providers, you can start with them. If you have a provider yourself, just call and get an order. We just need an order, or you can schedule it, and we'll get the order from your provider. We also provide walk-in services, so if you're no issues, no, no you know, lumps or pain, it's just a routine screening. You can walk in our three campuses from nine to three p.m. daily. Uh, we do have a campus a downtown Cedar Rapids PCI building, Westdale on the southwest side, and Marion.
0: And I also, I neglected to mention that radiology consultants of Iowa, RCI, you know, there, there's a subset of docs that specialize in interpreting mammograms. Mm-hmm. And they spend a lot of time staying up on the technology and do that. And I should, we should call that out, that they right. do uh, go beyond to, to be expertise in that. And we're proud. We're, we're happy they're here.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Therese, thank you again for joining me and helping dispel some of these common mammogram myths. Once again, this was Therese Nichols, manager of St. Luke's Breast and Bone Health. If you are 40 or older, talk to your primary care provider about getting a mammogram. To learn more about breast cancer screening, visit unipoint.org backslash mammogram. Thank you for listening to LiveWell Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.